0: Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Of course, we all know Laura Coates. Uh, We miss her over here on Urban View, but, uh, you know, she's still part of the Sirius XM family and over with uh, POTUS. And then, you know, Lord knows every time she's on CNN as a senior legal analyst, you know, I look up from whatever I'm doing to see what uh, she's talking about and saying. And uh, the new book, Just Pursuit, A Black Prosecutor's Fight for Fairness. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, for uh, coming on. And, and uh, I'm so glad I get a chance to uh, talk to people about, the, uh, about Just Pursuit i'm going to if you don't mind Laura, I'm going to take a sort of a different tack because I've been watching the interviews that you have been doing as I was reading through the book it, and and I don't know if I'm on to something here you, you know you you are a prosecutor, but you you the 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 stories you write about you seem like more of a defense attorney then a prosecutor Mm. uh and 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 i and i mean that in a in an honorable way because you 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 know you bring up certain elements in defense of many of the people that you've been asked to prosecute uh am i onto something as it relates to just pursuit
1: Well, you are on to so much and of course I can't tell you how thankful I am to be on your show and and to thank you if you don't hear it enough and you should hear even more. Thank you for all that you are doing in your own individual just pursuits for everyone. I mean I I just I hope people really understand so the way in which you have wielded the power that you have on your platform for the betterment of us all. So I want to personally thank you again. And, and you're right in the sense that what you're seeing is the pursuit of justice by somebody who is a civil rights advocate, which is normally something that we ascribe to defense attorneys. We think to ourselves for those who are within the system of justice, that their role, if you're civil rights oriented, must only be on the side of the defense. But this book, which is episodic and a narrative memoir and each chapter stands alone, talks about by giving a portrait and a perspective into these issues we're talking about, it really does talk about the idea of what we need and what we must do when you have a seat at the table. Can you still bring in those elements of civil rights? Can you still bring in different aspects of your identity. And I never had the luxury, Joe, nor did I ever really want the luxury of leaving myself and my lived experience as a Black woman behind. I thought it was necessary in order to be a public servant to bring who I was in support of others. And, you know, when I stood up, Joe, and said "Lara Coates on behalf of the people of the United States, that necessarily meant that included the defendant, not just the people who were harmed.
0: Now, did that? And and I'm I'm sort of pretending like I've not read the book, but <laughs> so so you know. That's I know that's how doing.
1: interviews go. I know you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, did did that create conflicts with your colleagues, particularly in the Justice Department?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we all in all the careers we have, we sometimes confront our own personal battles of allegiance, right? The orders that you are given versus the direction that your moral compass points, the idea of your lived experience versus what you are instructed to do. And, you know, this idea is what I write about, that what that battle looks like, not just within me, but also the battle I had with colleagues. And I I know that I have a great deal of respect for an overwhelming number of my colleagues and the work they do. But there were people who I don't think were deserving of the respect of the title of a public servant, because that wasn't the role they were filling. They were exploiting and coveting power and wielding it um, as if they were a bully on a schoolyard who could take advantage of somebody with one t- hand tied behind their back. And um, and so I, I was often in conflict with the, only, the tension of the us versus them and Whose side are you really on? I write in the book at times when um, some colleagues take issue with the fact that I would shake a defendant's hand or that I would introduce myself as a human being to another human being or that I would question and challenge what a police officer or a colleague from whom I inherited a case, what their strategy was. And there's a chapter I write about where it sort of comes to a head in the chapter called You Want to See Something Funny. And it's about a white male colleague who wants to take me under his wing and show me in a moment of his view of levity um, a little reprieve from the daily grind of preparing for these violent trials. And in my haste to have a moment of levity, when you hear someone say, hey, you want to see something funny, my perception is perhaps there's going to be a funny meme or a joke that will be told. Little did I know that I would find myself in the basement of our own U.S. attorney's office looking upon a young black man chained to the chair where this particular colleague had hoped to change him into an informant and use and apply pressure to have the perception that he was on a snitch bus to try to make him do what he wanted. And the fact that his own defense counsel was complicit in sitting right next to him while this happened. And that was, in this perverse notion, somehow something funny, and and it was a moment for me not only to see the way in which others have lived their power, but also the idea of what it was like to suddenly find myself inadvertently complicit just by my presence alone mm, and having wow. to structure how yeah. I
0: now, here's something else that I noticed that, you know, in promoting the book and the interviews that you've been done, doing, and all of them have been very good interviews, what I wanted people to get a sense of, um, and that is your background. I mean, you know, I, I, I think I've met your father once, one time when he came uh, yeah. up to the serious mom, exam yeah. <laughs> yeah, your mom and and your husband and your and uh, but you know what what did they instill in you that caused you to pursue this what you, the very things you you write about in the in many of the standalone chapters,
1: yeah, you know my parents for me i mean i I am the youngest of three. And I have earned and re-earned the title of baby in my, in my household. And my parents are like, when, they, when, they, you know, when I had a show uh, and still do on I said they go, oh, good, we'll have a few hours reprieve from Laura's telephone calls. Nope, nope, not, not so fast, parents. But I tell you, um, what they instilled in me and, and the gift that my parents have always given me is to help me understand our place in history and in the present and our role in the future and to allow me to see what they experienced and what they continue to experience. You know, my parents are um, like most, you know, uh, parents of women of my generation, you know, relatively the first, if not the only people to go to college or an advanced degree in their families. My parents were the first to acquire the advanced degrees and, and their respective families. And, um, my mother grew up in a Jim Crow South in North Carolina before moving north to Connecticut, where her parents were. Um, one was a my grandfather was a butler and a chauffeur. My my grandmother was a domestic servant in the household for some of the you know most regarded names and tycoons of industries in, in Connecticut and across the, the country. And they brought them up with them afterwards. And my father was. Um, raised in Worcester, Massachusetts, and although it was in the South, Jim Crow had wings, and the experience of a young black boy in 1950s America was imprinted not only on his life, but um, his opportunities often constrained by things like the ability to secure financing, to open up a a dental practice, the idea of the experience always being different from your counterparts. My parents uh, instilled in me very early about um, the experience they had where My mother, when she, my father was at work one day and they just moved into a place in New Jersey and she had my older sister who was a toddler at the time and they were home alone while people gathered in the backyard to vote them out of this neighborhood, not just the house, and knocked on the door and she didn't know what was going to happen. Having to figure out alone as a woman with a young child with out protection in the home, what was she going to do? And they were forced out of that neighborhood. Um, and and just thinking about that's not, you know, a bygone era. That's the experience of my mother and my father. And so growing up, I always knew the stories of Ruby Bridges more than the stories of Dr. Seuss. I knew that civil rights was a continuum, not something to be learned and taught on, in, in history class or just acknowledged on Martin Luther King's birthday, and so with that in mind, I started out in the Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division, um, with the overwhelming sense of pride that I would have some hand in continuing the legacy of these profound legal architects like Charles Hamilton Houston, and um, much to my chagrin, the, the reality of bureaucracy and thumbs on a scale um, really defined my experience.
0: Um, the, the, here's another thing like I, that I often don't get a chance to ask people who write memoirs and I'm, I'm in the, and I've had to deal with in my own man. Um, uh, and that is having to deal with, uh, ed- editors and copy editors. Oh my God, what an experience that was. Um, I'm so, you know, like, you know, when you do your own radio show, you're in charge. You know, I I always say it's my, you know, I always laugh. I say it's my courtroom. So, but man, when you are putting a memoir together, like what you've done with Just Pursuit, um, you have to deal with editors. Um, Here's my question. They obviously ask you what chapter you want to begin with. And so let me, because that, that's what captures people's attention. So the first chapter, please don't come here, what ha- what, what, on what happens when a Black woman must aid in a deportation arrest, why did you choose that as the, as the first chapter to catch everybody's attention in just pursuit?
1: You know, in my commentary, as you know, I suffer no fool's. And in my own evaluation of my role within the justice system, which really is a legal system more than it's a justice system, I don't spare myself the criticism. I don't try to aggrandize myself. I don't try to, in my quest to be a champion for the people, try to make myself a heroine. I tell the truth because the truth is, There were many moments when I was grappling with an internal struggle. There were many moments when who I thought I was was not in line with who I was expected to be within the office. And that chapter begins by talking about how the pursuit of justice really can create injustice. And the idea of the intersection that I find myself in as a civil rights um attorney as a black woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter as a um, a student of history, as a um, somebody who is a was also a federal prosecutor. I stood at the intersection of all of those things and brought who I was with me and when you're confronted by what are perceived and really are kindred spirits in the struggle against being marginalized, sometimes we are put in positions where we have to um, Reconcile, you know, whose whose side you're going to be on, and it was a difficult one, and it was a difficult journey, and there were many more moments like that, and so I I began the book, as the book continues, frankly, with truth, and I think if you're going to speak truth to power, Joe Madison, you ought to know what the truth is, and it's not just about a verdict, it's not guilty or an acquittal, it's not a policy proposal, it's not simply the people who find themselves on the other side of United States versus it's the people in the periphery. It's the choices you're forced to make. It is the ecosystem of justice that needs to be addressed. And I began where the conversation must start. What do you do you do when who we are on paper does not match who we must be?
0: and And so, in terms of 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 being in the system, what is your big what was and 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 what chapter refers to this? What was your biggest challenge? You're in the system. Let me tell you, you know I, I don't care if you're a bureaucrat. I don't care if you're a clerk. Um, I mean we we we're in Washington, d c. I mean, you've got people here in Washington D.C. They're scared to death of the Hatch Act. Um, they're they're frightened of their managers or their directors, and in some cases, the the president of the United States. Although they may be far removed, like you say, they might in, be in the basement of the Justice Department or some federal agency. Mm-hmm. What is what is your I mean, if people read this, if they read just pursuit, do they do they find is there is there instructions in there based on your experience of how they can deal with it? and is there an example you can share with us?
1: yes, and I, I wrote this book quite intentionally as a as a narrative memoir i I wrote it. So that people could understand not from a legal textbook or a law school classroom where I talk about, you know, here's a Supreme Court case and let's talk about where it's placed in history and contextualize it in that way. Those books all have their place and they, and they should be there. Um, but this book was intended to give people the vicarious experience of what not just what the law is, but what justice feels like. And in our marching orders of actions and calls for reform, I think what's often missed is the idea that justice is not just a, de- it's not a destination. Justice is a series of acts and behavior and um, a series of of reforms that would require you to understand redemption and rehabilitation as much as the punishment and about bringing your whole self into the system. And I think that this book, while not explicitly outlining what you should do, it invites you on a journey about what happens within the system, not from the perspective of just, hey, an officer has done the wrong thing and they have done the wrong things, but also talks about what judges, what their role is in it, what legislators' role is in it, what you and I and everyone else's roles can be. and so. Each chapter stands alone. You can pick this book up and read a chapter and um, put it down. Think about it. Read yeah. another chapter yeah. without it having to go through the whole – everything. And I encourage people to take a step yeah. back when you read it and do so because I think it's in, in much the – and we talked about this before in, in different conversations. You know, I am a real proponent in storytelling as a form of advocacy, in the truth mm-hmm. as a form of activism. And I think you have to see the justice system and experience it, albeit vicariously, in order to understand what truly requires reform. And I talk Mm. about in the book what victim blaming looks like, what this idea of the Me Too movement and believe women actually looks like in a court of law, what it looks like when you're talking about a mistaken identity, not from the notion of somebody having served in prison for decades before they're exonerated, but from that blink moment when you could have done something about it to... Um, what it's like to go around the South and investigate instances of voter discrimination and monitor elections in this supposedly post-racial world, all the way up and including what it's like to show moments of leniency and to demonstrate compassion. And there were beautiful moments of experience. And I write about those beautiful moments as well. Um, But I also write about the secondary trauma that I think we all experience, Joe, um, as talking about the cases we do. No one in their right mind can hear about a case and like what happened to Elijah McLean, a young man just walking down the street in Colorado singing to himself and then being injected with ketamine and rendered brain dead. There's a trauma yeah. that America feels, that black America feels. There's a trauma in being a mother and, and wanting to pick out a toy off the shelf for her son and knowing that because he's taller than the average kid, he might be mistaken for a man like Tamir Rice. Looking at my daughter, who's looking at a Breonna Taylor and wondering, why do people have to say that women's name in particular, let alone having agency over our bodies? I I write about all this.
0: Yeah. And then having and like you said, and explaining, I, you know, I I, I got to say the book is Just Pursuit and a black prosecutor's fight for fairness. And that's a key subtitle. I want folks to understand that the 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 other thing you're absolutely right and this is what i really appreciated uh i didn't have to sit down and read it from chapter 1 to the uh, from cover to cover you you are this is why i want everybody to you can read one chapter put it down say oh let me go to chapter 10 and and it's a different story having said that uh, it really reads like a, a a television series. I mean, you could literally put a a, a television broadcast a, a series together uh, based on th- what's in the, these stories that are in this uh, this book. And and I and I must tell you, I so appreciate the fact that it is in non legal language. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> imagine.
1: You say we always say Joe Madison. Put
0: it where the goats can get it. Put it where the goats can can uh, can get it. And I and 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 so I want to thank you. And I also have to say this: uh, Sherry's sitting next to me here. Hi, Sherry. Yay! She's saying hi.
1: Beautiful. Hi. (laughs) Hello. And
0: and uh, Sherry often refers to you as as her angel uh, because everybody knows she she suffered a minor stroke while at work and and I'm telling her something's going wrong something's going wrong she's just ignoring me but you ladies got in were in the restroom together ladies room together and you were able to notice uh the, the signs and because of that uh you know we were able to get her to the hospital on time and and, uh, she all has always been so appreciative of, uh, of, of, of that, uh, of that. And, and so she still Aww. has her wings, still has her wings, her angel wings. Thank you so much for helping save my life.
1: Oh, I'm not crying. You're crying, Sharon.
0: <laughs> well, hey, everybody, you are, so, you are
1: so, so sweet. First of all, you're so sweet to have, to have said that. And I really appreciate that. And I, I'm just so happy that, um, you know, fate put us together that day. And, and I'm so happy that everything is okay and you are continuing to thrive because, as you know, not only the man sitting next to you loves you more than words can say, but we all do as well. And I'm just so glad that um, the that the heaven shined upon us that day and that everything is great. And I'm also glad that you used your platform to then talk about how others could see the signs of stroke, because I think you've probably saved mm. countless lives by bringing it to the attention of people, of what they can do. And it's a testament to who you both are. So thank you.
0: The, the book is Just Pursuit, A Black Prosecutor's Fight for Fairness. Laura Coates, former federal prosecutor, United States Department of Justice. Please, everybody, you get it, read it and just don't get it, read it. Cause, and, and trust me, <laughs> you can, you, you will, it it reads, I'm telling you, it, 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 literally you, you could, you can go from chapter to chapter, bounce around. And, uh, there, you learn so much about the law judges, prosecutors, clients. Thank you, Laura Coates for, for taking the time to be with us. Appreciate it. And the best to you, your family and, uh, and uh, keep doing the good work and we'll keep watching CNN because Lord knows, man, you lawyers are, are getting you uh, are getting a workout. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank uh, thanks you for lot. all you do. I appreciate it. Right. And keep fighting the good fight. We see you. Thank you.
0: OK, the, the book Just Pursuit.